Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. We find in Luke 19, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho. Now, Jericho is a major port, from my recollection. It is the major tax station you had to go through if you were going to move from Egypt uh, into or through Israel into the rest of the Middle East, meaning that there was a lot of business transactions, lots of trades, caravans, you know, going from Iran, Iraq, Babylon, and, and all those places to Egypt. Egypt was, a, you know, still a, a major power, uh, not like it used to be, but it was a power, and, and there were powers in, in the uh, Asia Minor. So, you know, it was a, 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 cent- it was a, a center of uh, trade here. And this center, Jesus is passing through. How many of you know Jesus wants to be involved in business? Jesus wants to, he, he cares about Sunday, but he also wants to be involved in commerce Monday through Friday. Amen? That strikes you as strange, but we'll get back to that shortly. Jesus entered Jericho, and what was he doing? Passing what? Through. Now, there was a peculiar uh, side of this story in that Jesus had taken flesh and he was limited in his physical body. He could only go where he went. He became a man, a literal man. So he walked amongst us. Now, uh, you, know, he, he, you know, he's here by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit doesn't have the same constraints, if you will. But let me say something. God's the same God yesterday, today, and what? Forever. What I want to state here, Jesus is about to pass through. This is letting you know that a transient opportunity is presenting itself. Jesus is going to be here only for a short time. And the reality is when God manifests himself, he often opens doors that are transient, that they're there for a moment. And if you don't seize the moment, you'll miss the opportunity. Do you hear me? So this businessman sees an opportunity coming his way and he seizes the moment. How he seizes this moment is of pivotal concern for you and I here today. Verse two, Zacchaeus is introduced. Again, there are thousands of people thronging Jesus there are millions of stories. John said, listen, man, if I write books about all the things that happened, the world couldn't contain all the volumes. There are so many stories that could have been written and recorded in our scripture, but God was specific to just pick a few because these few contain the very messages he wanted us to know were without end. Do you understand me? So there was a specific man there named what? Zacchaeus. And he was the chief tax collector. This man, again, was a businessman. He was obviously a successful businessman in one of the the strongest economic areas of the entire Middle East. And the Bible says he was what? Wealthy. So the Bible's clear about Zacchaeus, gives you a little background. Why is he setting all this up? Because his background has relevance to the rest of the story. Let me add a little bit here just to help you a little bit. Tax collectors were hated. You know, they were the Benedict Arnolds or Uncle Tom's or whatever your setting is. In that day, Rome was a unwelcome power. Jews hated Rome. They wanted David to rule on the throne, not Rome. So if you collected taxes for the hated Rome, you by uh, association, you were hated because you were you, you, you were a backstabber. You were a uh, uh, what was you what do you call you were a traitor to your nation. So this man and, and, and tax collectors in, in particular, they, they were ruthless. They, they would often collect more taxes than they ought. They, they were oftentimes actually criminals. So in some measure, this man was part of the syndicate. He was part of uh, the mob or, or the, uh, the Gambese crime family. I still got it wrong. 
he's part of the Gambini crime family, if you will. But you know, these criminals, these criminals are good businessmen. A lot of these gangsters and these gang members, they're good business people. He selects a criminal and a businessman to teach us principles that he wanted recorded in the scripture and kept for ages. The Bible says in verse 3 something very important. It says something about the desire of a man. It also says something about Christ's ministry and the scope of the people that he wanted to impact. It also says something about Christ's character. Typically, worldly people are not interested in super religious people. Businessmen are interested in people that get results. Business people, if they care about religious people, it's only because religious people have influence and they want some of the influence that the religious leader has. This man, though, I think is more than just looking for Christ's influence to try to cash in. This man has taken an interest in Christ because he's different than the Pharisees, different than the Sadducees, different than the religious, very, very different. And he's captured this man's attention. And the Bible says he wanted to what? See Jesus. The first thing or the second thing we know about this man, other than his history, is that he has a desire. He wants to what? See Jesus. Sometimes we over-spiritualize our desires. I believe in fasting. We just fasted three weeks. I believe in praying. Pray all the time without what? Ceasing. But there's a practical side to the spiritual side. The Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. In other words, you just believe you receive it and just keep saying it, but don't do nothing. It profits nothing. So here we find this man who's pragmatic and practical. He was like, look, I don't care about all that idealism and, you know, the throne of death. Forget it. The Romans are ruling and I need to to deal with the world we live in. And I'm a prophet in the current situation. Very pragmatic, very practical man. But God uses his pragmatism to teach us vital lessons. If you track with me for just a few more verses. He wanted to see Jesus. He had a what? Desire. But the Bible said being a short man, he what? Could not. Many saved folk, you know, we get saved and we just become a bunch of babies. Run into a little bit of, oh God, what? Stop it. Everyone who lives in this world going to face problems, going to face failure, going to face troubles. Jesus didn't just come preach a sermon and then a chariot took him to heaven. He came, preached messages, and was brutally crucified on a cross where real men bled and died. He got into the matrix of living in life. He gets so sensitive and scary sometimes. The devil does that. Makes us weak. It's not right. It's perverse. He wanted to see Jesus. He had a desire. But immediately he's confronted with problems or a challenge. He didn't have the stature. And there was a crowd, but this very practical man refused to let the crowd or his stature stop him. What are you letting stop you on your pursuit of the master? He has a desire. He also has a problem, but he doesn't approach his problem as most over-spiritual people do. I believe in praying. The first thing I would do is pray, Lord, give me wisdom. But many of us, what we'll do is call a prayer meeting. There'll be 10 people. We'll be fasting and praying for weeks on end. We'll pray and holler out to God and do nothing. We'll stay in our prayer closet and say, oh, Lord, when you answer by fire, if you come into this room, if I see a burning bush, then I'll go. We over-spiritualize practical things. Jesus went on the, up the mountain. His face shone as, shined as, or shone as bright as the sun. But after his face started shining, he came down shining. He came down 
off of the mountain and minister to the people. You only go up the mountain to come down the mountain. Do you understand? You only uh, seek God uh, to receive from God, to share what you have from God. Are you tracking? So this businessman looks at God from a corporate angle. He says, okay, I'm short. Not only that, I get in the crowd. You know, they, they, they were killing aristocrats, certainly Tax collectors at the time, you get in a crowd, someone can easily stab you. They'll, they'll never know who did it. So he's careful about crowds, but he's about to risk all this guy. He's serious about getting with the master. So he has a situation, has a problem. But what he does, he sits back and he thinks. He says, listen, the master's on this road. Now, at this point, he's right there, but I know eventually he's going to get to there. So what does he do? He tracks. He, 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 he tracks the growth. He looks at the trend. Are you here? Sometimes... The children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. We will, you know, our kid, you know, 16 years old, and they're doing all these crazy things. Like, how did it happen? The reason we're so surprised is because we were too spiritual to track the trend. That thing started when that child was six years old, seven years old, eight, but you didn't speak to it. You just prayed about it. You never really dealt with it. You just believed I believe in believing, and after doing all to stand, I just continue to believe and stand, but faith without works is what? Dead. Please hear me today. So God chose this practical man to give us a practical lesson for those of us that love the Lord and might have a tendency to become over-spiritualized in what we do in our approach to things. You see, that six-year-old child, you watch that child, and you watch the train. See, I, I'm, I'm annoying. I don't even know sometimes if I'm a good parent because I stare at my children. They'll be watching TV, and half the time I'll be looking at their faces. Because I, I, I watch them, and I'm looking at the trends. I'm, see, a leader watches where things are going. And as you lead your households, lead your businesses, your companies, if you're going to be successful, you've got to watch where it's going. Now, I look at my kids, and I say, see, that bad attitude that boy got right now, right here, if I don't deal with it while well, I can deal with it, when it's 16, it's going to be too late. Please understand, those of you who are 16, 17, 18 years old, there comes a point in your life, your kids got to make their own decisions, and even if you've done the best job, you're going to run into to various challenges, okay? But the point is, a leader looks at the trend. Where is it going? People, how do we end up in divorce court? By not watching the trends. You were alienated from each other. You start spending time with each other, enjoying each other. And you're like, how do we get there? It's obvious how you got there. You were so busy praying. And then, you know, your spouse brought up divorce. You just quote a scripture, God hates divorce, and walk out the room, not dealing with the issues. But God chooses Zacchaeus to teach us some things. He steps back and looks at the trend. He said, the master's going to be here at this point. So, so he sees the way things are going, and he positions himself based on the trend. That was worth a million dollars. In a minute, you'll get it. The Bible said he what? Ran ahead. He had foresight. Children of light, get some foresight. The 80-20 rule, the 70-30 rule, what's that all about? Foresight. Why was Joseph called before Pharaoh? Foresight. He saw what was coming through the interpreting of the dream and knew what to do. Why do we need prophets? So prophets could walk around with big titles and seem spiritual better than everyone else? No, so we can know what's coming and prepare for it. Why do you need a prophet to look into your life so the prophet could see what you're going to do next week so you could deal with it this week before it comes and bears fruit in your life? Are you tracking? So he ran ahead. He got in front of everybody. And you're going to face problems. But once you see the problem, try your best to get ahead of the problem. Right now, you may have a quarter tank of gasoline. You have a 100-mile trip to go on. 
If you're wise, you'll get ahead of the problem and fill up your tank with gas. Versus taking off on your trip, talking about, well, I'm praying in tongues, and then you're somewhere near Philadelphia somewhere, your car is on the side of the road, and it's dark, and you're, you know, in a place you don't want to be, and all you can do is believe God that you survive. But if you would have used some foresight, I'm back to the parenting thing. Begin to stare at your children. Look at them. Look into them. And 16, it's not always too late. Now, I just said that for the sake. It's not too late. Look at them. I look at my little niece. I said, little girl, I see where you're going. We had long conversations. But you know what? She's learned to mind me because she's like, no, 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 no. Two years later, she's right there. She's like, uncle, you're right. I was like, yeah. I talked to my nephew, 20 years old. Boy, this is where you're heading. Like, yeah, you know, uncle, you're usually right. But then his eyes get real big. It's like, yeah, just like you said it. Why? Because I'm deep? No, because I love him enough to lead. And parenting is simply leading. Seeing what's in a kid and also taking time to say, son, this is where it's going. If you don't get ahead of this child, this is how you're going to end. Now back to the text. So he ran ahead and he what? He climbed a tree. He positioned himself for what he wanted. Vitally important. Many of us sit there and complain about what we have. I lost this. I can't do this. They don't love me. She don't love me. I'm broke. I'm all, they, they just what I have. But scripture teaches us through Zacchaeus to position ourselves for what we want. What you have is already there. It takes no faith to be positioned for what you got. It takes faith to run ahead to position yourself for what's what? Coming. He climbed a tree and sometimes as you walk with God, you'll find yourself up trees. In places that seem to make no sense to nobody else but you. But I want to talk to you about this sycamore tree. Because for this man, the sycamore tree was the spot. In a couple moments, we're going to enlarge upon this idea of finding your spot. But you can't find the spot until you find your tree. So if you want to be positioned for what Christ has for you, Finding your sycamore tree is of vital importance. A sycamore tree is about 30 to 40 feet high, but its trunk is very thick and its branches are very thick. Zacchaeus was willing. Now, the Bible said he was a short in stature, correct? Now, back then, that means he was probably less than five feet tall. So in order for him to get up the tree, even though the branches were low, Zacchaeus had to stretch. If you want to get in your sycamore tree positioned for God's blessing, you're going to have to get ready to do some stretching. Zacchaeus was willing to run ahead, and then he got to a spot, and he stretched himself. He reached for something beyond himself. He didn't have ability in himself to be in the right position. He had to stretch. Many of us, we say, well, if it's comfortable, I'll do it. That's why we're missing opportunities and blessings that God has for us. The Bible says he climbed the sycamore tree to what? See him. He took a risk and tried to see things from a higher point of view. Sometimes when you're on the ground, that's not where God wants you, and you can't get the perspective you need to see him or even find your spot. Sometimes you got to grab things higher and bigger than yourself to get to where God what? Needs you. Less than a year ago, God began to, actually it's my wife, I just remembered in that back room. She said, God is, is, is saying to you that you need to get in position. And I took that to heart. And by the way, how many believe wives can speak to you? 
Yeah, from God. Yeah, the value of a wife is awesome. And then God really began to minister to me. Do you have time? Because it's taking me a little while to unpack everything. Okay. And God was saying to my heart, son, you need to, to position yourself properly. And, you know, as a church, you know, I've been pastoring for a few years. And, uh, you know, typically when things weren't going right, I'd always put the blame on my shoulder. I'd be like, son, you know, I, I say to myself, I, I, I need to, to exegete the scriptures better. I need to pray longer. I need to fast longer. I, maybe, you know, I read the Gospels through, you know, once last month. Maybe I need to do twice this month. And then maybe I need to throw in some Old Testament. And, and I would just, you know, I got, to, I, got, I got to work hard and get better. But, but I felt like God was saying, son, stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You're exhausting yourself. Son, there's nothing wrong with your gifting. Your problem is your positioning. So with that, I was like, Lord, I was thinking in my, that's carnal. I know that sounds funny. Because the Bible says you give the heathen for your inheritance. And positioning is a business term. Learn that in undergrad. What is this business thing? God, this is supposed to be about souls. But I was willing to take a risk. And I wanted, and I believe God was pushing me to look at things from another perspective. So I opened up a whole bunch of business books. Started looking at positioning and marketing and the rest. And what God was saying to me, son, There's Christ in people, but because you haven't been lifted high enough, they can't see you. So what God put on my heart were the commercials you hear on the radio. And all those commercials were with me scooting up my sycamore tree, positioning myself, this ministry, for those that have Christ in them to look up and see. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the only reason uh, grace is growing the way it's growing, not the only reason, but one of the primary reasons it's because we were willing to reposition ourselves. Do you hear me? He gets up this tree and he looks at things from a higher point of view. Many of you, God loves you. You've grown. But until he mentally takes you to that higher place, you get that higher perspective, that higher sense of sight. You are not going to be in the spot for the blessing. You see, at a certain level of ministry, I don't know why I'm talking so much about ministry. I almost feel a little embarrassed by it. But at a certain level of ministry, the paradigm changes, and you got to understand more than just John 3, 6. Now, that's vital, and that's first base. That's even second, third, if you will. That's a whole lot of it. But there are other dynamics that you got to understand and wrap your brain around. And he was saying, son, if you're going to uh, be excellent in my kingdom, if you're going to operate in the 21st century, if you're going to reach soul, son, you got to raise your you gotta, you got to scoot up this tree, son. Son, you know, I recognize your stature and everything. And, I, you know, immediately when God started talking to those commercials, I was thinking, man, we don't have the money, but, 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 but listen, if you want it bad enough, you'll find it. The second thing about the sycamore tree is that it has a short trunk, and this is vitally important, meaning the branches are accessible. Everything God has for you is reachable if you'd stretch. The problem, we, the, the reason many of us don't get to that next level of branch in God, we refuse to stretch. Mom and daddy didn't stretch. Daddy, daddy, I want to be just like, they don't stretch. You don't get in an environment that's different. You don't listen to things that are different from the ordinary things. You, you, don't, you just stay in your, your regular comfort zone and you don't excel. But God was saying, okay, man, you're little. Okay, okay, okay. But there's a specific branch on that sycamore tree that I've caused to grow out. If you just stand on your toes and begin to stretch, you can grab it, son. I will not do it for you, and I won't bless lazy. You're going to have to stretch to reach that which God has for you. The third thing about the sycamore tree you need to understand, and everyone in this room needs a sycamore tree, you need to find your sycamore tree to get to the place that God wants you. 
is the sycamore tree had spreading branches. In other words, the branches didn't really grow up. They grew out. And these branches were thick. They were strong enough for a grown man to, to, to sit upon. The tree gave him latitude, room to maneuver, more choices. You see, what happens is once you reach and stretch to get on one level, all of a sudden a whole bunch of other levels open up to you that wouldn't be open if you didn't take that first step. You see, that branch way up there, I couldn't reach less I took that first stretch. And suddenly, after I began to obey God and, and took those steps, all of a sudden, it seemed like so much more was in our reach as a body and as a church. But this also applies to you. Take the first step. Stretch. And you will be amazed at what you discover is just fingertips away because you didn't settle for your comfort zone. The last thing about this tree I think is one of the most important. This tree was for heavy-duty lifting. Didn't have little weak branches. This tree was a fat tree. It was a major league tree. It was a world-class tree. It was a tree with results that you could rest on. And God wants to get each of us in a sycamore tree that can bear the weight of the day that can deal with real living, real weight, real life, real man stuff, real woman stuff. Do you understand me? He got up a tree that could bear his weight. The sycamore tree was part of Zacchaeus' plan. This sycamore tree is part of God's plan for your life. Verse 5, the Bible says something very important. It says when Jesus, didn't say when he reached the tree, when he reached the spot where the tree happened to be next to. Colin Powell makes the observation that in life, preparation must meet opportunity for you to be successful. What happens often is we have opportunities, but we're not prepared. Do you understand me? You meet the head of a, a corporation, a bank, but you didn't go to school. Nothing wrong. Everyone doesn't have to go to school. Nothing that God could bless you without school. Some of you don't need to go back to school. Hear me? If I'm asked to sing a solo, but I don't know a song, I could sing like, I don't know who could sing nowadays, but like that person, okay? But I don't know a song, better put, than the education of Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit 